Hey, 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 you're now listening or watching the Halos in the Infield podcast with your host Todd Fox and Fernando the Lone Star Halo brought to you in part by Noble L Works just outside of Anaheim Stadium and the Pond or the Honda Center where you can get drink specials just by mentioning Halos in the Infield. Also brought to you in part by 714 Tickets. 714 Tickets. 714 Tickets is a place to go to get 10% off of any ticket purchase just by also mentioning H-I-T-I, Halos in the Infield. Now enjoy the show. Hey, 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 indeed. Welcome into another episode of Halos in the Infield, the podcast version with your host, Todd Fox, and the other host of the show. The Lone Star Halo. Ooh, I like the little hands there. The Happy Hands <laughs> Club right there from Napoleon Dynamite. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, the Happy Hands Club. Where he was like closing his eyes, where he like flapped his wings. Yeah. <laughs> the guy wanted to be like ten thousand other places than right there, <laughs> but uh, it might be how. Hey, just like Anthony Rendon. Oh, oh, there you go. <laughs> you have uh, you have Tony two hands and Napoleon Dynamite, and now we got Tony two stints on the IL. That would actually be an entertaining clubhouse, actually, for them going at it with no habla espanol and Napoleon with his hand gestures, but uh, and his dancing. So can't forget about that. Yeah, dude, they should do a they they should do a commercial where uh, Rendon is dressed up as Pedro. He's like, vote for vote for Artie. Yeah, <laughs> handing out like lanyards or what, what? What's the big thing with Taylor Swift friends? Friendship bracelets. Yeah, friendship. Vote for Artie. Actually, you know, and remember in that movie, Pedro shaves his head. Uh, that would be hilarious if Rendon shaved his head. That'd be great. Does but, he? He doesn't have long hair right now, does he? He does. He, he does, does have long hair. Yeah, he shaved it after one year, right? With the Angels, I know he had long hair in the COVID year, I think. Yeah, but I could have sworn he shaved his or buzzed his head once. Yeah, he might have like given it a, a good clip, but not completely. And I know he's kept the goatee the entire time, but uh, he has, yes, 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 he has. yes. So let's talk about what we're going to talk about today. Uh, at, at the very end, I think we're going to sprinkle in some Otani, uh, you know, memorabilia or things at the store that uh, Fernando did. Uh, he went over to the Angels team store and he has a report. For those who haven't made it out there yet, on what he saw just a couple weeks ago, and then uh, we're also going to talk about today some spring training games. We're going to get into the first few games of how the Angels played. We're going to talk about our good friend Ty Butchery, how he's making a good uh, impression over there with Seattle. Looks like he's going to make the uh, club, and we're going to talk about a couple other players uh, and news and notes uh, to do with the Angels. So uh, let's get started on uh, what do you want to get started on the on the recent games here for the Angels. Yeah, so obviously we're still very early on in spring training, right? I mean, the Angels have played, I believe, three spring training games. You have a couple of other teams that have played, you know, five or six by now. Obviously, the Dodgers and Padres got started a little bit early with spring training because they have to go to uh, uh, they have to go to Korea. Mm-hmm. Is it North Korea? Is it South Korea? South, South Korea. Korea. They got to yeah. go to South. I don't North- think they'd come back if they went to North Korea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, my apologies. They'd be stuck they got to go to South Korea to play. uh, And I believe they're opening the baseball season this year, which is why they started early. Yeah. Um, So when the Angels opened up spring training against the Dodgers on Saturday, that was the Dodgers' like third or fourth spring training game. The Angels was their first. Uh, So we got to see it being at Tempe Diablo. We got to see some of the starters. And what's projected to be more than likely the opening day lineup. Mm -hmm. I think you and Rob had mentioned that, right? That that's – you did a whole episode where, like, that was supposed to be the projected lineup, correct? Yeah, we went down the list about what it was going to be. It was going to be pretty much Shanowell, Ren, uh Renifo at, at the top. You had uh, 
um, you know, Renifo first, I'm sorry, Moniac uh, split with him, depending on who pitches. Then you would have Shauna Will second, uh, Shamwow, Trout three, Rendon for some reason four. And then you would have five, Taylor Ward. Uh, six was, uh, I believe, Ohapi. And seven was, um, who am I missing right here? Uh, Adele. Uh, Adele or Hicks. And then you had Neto. So, what's your opinion on having Moniac lead off? We saw him have some stretches of success with mm-hmm. that, but do you like Shamwow leading off better, or do you like Moniac because he does have the ability to put over the fence, but he isn't strictly a power guy? What I would emphasize on him this year is to be taking more pitches, like he did late in the season last year, like at the very end. He wasn't trying to drive it too much because when Moniac's hot, he's 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 not too aggressive he's not swinging for the fences he's kind of like just waiting to pit for the pitches to come to him like he should you know someone told him along the lines that he was ken griffey at some point last year and everything had to go over the fence if he takes the shauna will approach and just let the the ball come to your bat and put it in play those two guys if they keep that mentality along with renifo because renifo's got that pop he's got the double mentality if, if those guys are getting on and working walks or at least giving pitches for guys like Trout and Rendon to see next, it's going to make the pitcher's job a lot harder. So I do like those guys up at the top. Yeah, a guy like Shanuel has to be at the very top or the lineup, or he's got to be at the very bottom, like the number nine type of cat. Correct. You know, you can't have a guy like Shanuel batting cleanup, but then again, when Rendon's batting cleanup, anything's possible. I, I've never liked Rendon as, as a cleanup hitter, um, and that's not be anything because of how I feel about him as a player. Mm-hmm. I don't like him as a cleanup guy because, in theory, a guy like him is a tone setter, right? He's not a speed demon. Um, I would kind of like a guy like Rendon, if he's healthy and he's on batting second, in my opinion. Or potentially, if it wasn't for uh, the possibility of having Moniac or Shanuel as a leadoff hitter, I could even see a world where you didn't have those guys and like Rendon was leading off. But obviously, in a world where you have those two better options, you bat him second. In my opinion, I don't. I don't like him cleaning up. Yeah, I don't like it either. I, I think I have a little theory about that for right now. Okay. I don't think it's going to last very long unless he really balls out, bro. But my thing is. I believe Ron's making it feel like he's playing head games with Rendon because he knows Rendon plays head games in general. So I believe my theory is, is that he's saying, Hey, we know we want the 2019 Anthony Rendon who was locked in. And where did he bat? He bat third or fourth. You're going to bat fourth behind Mike Trout. How about that? Can you live up to those standards? Cause I believe in you. And I think, if that's getting anywhere into Rendon's head, maybe he does turn it around. He doesn't put up 2019 numbers, obviously. I don't think yeah. he's capable of, but like you've said before and I've said before, if he could just put up decent numbers, that's a big plus for this team. I mean, we've seen him back clean up for the Angels before. Um, so- yeah, but a very uninspired, though. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I think Ron's trying some mental tactics. I really do. Uh, what did you think about Joe Adele in his opening game? Uh, he, I, I was very impressed. Uh, the thing that I really liked uh, that I've heard from Ron Washington is that <clears throat> a guy like Joe Adele has power, but Joe Adele needs to learn to use his power to all fields. You know, we know that he can pull the ball over the fence, but what a lot of people confuse is the term power hitter 
meaning only home runs. You know, you can have a high slugging percentage because you drive doubles and triples, especially with a guy like Adele Speed. I mean, we saw him leg out a triple. Yeah, he's very fast. Exactly. So why are you always just trying to pop it over the fence? Joe Adele, that's what we want to see. Be a slapper. There's no problem being a slapper, getting a second. And you know what? You're going to get some triples because of your speed. Nothing wrong with that at all. Take advantage of it. Use your speed. And you know what? Sometimes that ball is going to go over the fence. I don't need Joe Adele to be a 20 to 30 home run guy. Give me 15 home runs. Give me a batting average over 270. And when you get on the base, run the uh, run the base path like Satan himself. Yeah, and he, he's definitely definitely capable of it. And I think Ron was boasting the fact that he put on 15 pounds of straight muscle. And but not but he wasn't looking at as when he described it as oh he's putting on 15 pounds of muscle to power the ball over the fence. It was meant to strengthen his game, whether it's running, whether it's fielding, whether it's hitting. And I think that's important. So I too was impressed with his, you know, with the limited bats we've seen already. And I hope it's a good thing, you know, for a sign of good things to come and something where he could be more consistent and stay healthy this year. Because again, health has been, I think, his biggest L so far to the organization. Yeah, absolutely. We've yet to see a full season where Joe Adele's healthy. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people who have given up on him. I mean, I know your fiance is on that list and, you know, she's not alone. We get a lot of people in the YouTube comments who are like, oh, you know, cut him, trade him, DFA him, whatever the case is. Here's the thing. The Angels have just put in way too much in the Joe Adele basket. But unfortunately for him, this truly is his opportunity to figure it out or the angels have to let him go. He's out of options. Oh, absolutely. So he either makes this roster or they got to trade him for peanut scraps or literal nacho cheese shit yeah. out of Paul Sereno's asshole, because that's all you're going to get <laughs> out of an unproven fallen out prospect who hasn't really had a lick of success in the majors for a sustainable period of time. So unfortunately, He's got to figure out. I'm, I'm really cheering for the kid. I really, really am. We need him to work out. Yeah, we do. We do because, I mean, at this point, he, in a trade, you're right. He'd be a throw-in. But, again, he'd be worse than that. If he's if he's outplayed by Hicks, he, I, he's never going to make it here. And maybe there's a slight chance he could pick it up somewhere else. But this is a do-or-die season for him. And he, he has to absolutely – not only just stay healthy, but he ha- and I don't. I'm not saying he needs to ball out and could be a triple crown hitter, but he just like you said needs to put up decent numbers and be a reliable hitter. I mean, people forget Garrett Anderson didn't turn into Garrett Anderson overnight. It took him a little bit before he found his power, before he found his hundred RBI season. You know, for a couple seasons there, two or three, when he finally got the playing time, was a 16 home run, 56 RBI type guy, 275 hitter. So he progressed, but you got to put that resume together. And so far, his resume is not much to look at. So another guy who I want to talk about in spring so far, very early on in the spring, Mike Trout's at four at-bats. What are you hoping to see out of Mike Trout this spring training? I'm sure it's exactly what I'm looking at, too. I, I just want to see not that aggressive swinging out of his shoes type at-bats, not the uppercut golf, golf swing. I want to see him more straightforward, put the barrel on the bat because he's got the strength to where even if he's not trying to uppercut, he makes contact, it's going over the fence or it's going to 
it's going to bust off the wall or hit the gap. You know, like, like we need to see the, the Mike Trout. I can rip a double down the line. I can hit one to the gap. I could put one over the outfielder's head and off the wall. We need that Mike Trout as well as the one that hits the home runs. And we haven't seen that kind of doubles hitter uh, for a while now or singles hitter or a guy who, yeah, we have second and third. Don't try to hit the ball over the fence. You know, maybe just hit a ground ball to the right side. Maybe it squeezes through and you score that run either way if you're thrown out. That type of hitter. What I want to see out of Mike Trout this year is his ability to catch up to the fastball. There you go. Last year, we did see him struggle catching up with a fastball. You said it on the postgame show as many times before his injury. He was behind a lot of them. We saw it in the World Baseball Classic against Shohei Otani in that final at-bat. And you know what? That's a little unfair, right? Shohei Otani was throwing 103 miles an hour. That's a hard fastball to catch up to. I don't care who you are. Mike Trout is one of the best of the best. But lately, Mike Trout has had the bulk of his success with breaking balls down at the kneecaps and below. So I want to see him, exactly like you said, make solid contact, drive the ball down the line, get to second base, extend some at-bats, have good at-bats. If Mike Trout doesn't get a single hit all spring training, but he's catching up to the fastballs, he's hitting the ball hard, and they keep catching it, you know what? I don't care. That's the thing with spring training. Mm -hmm. People look at some numbers. People get obsessed with wins and losses. All that matters is performances, right? All that matters is, you know, Griffin Canning last year, for example, struggling with the split finger fastball down and in. All you're going to do this spring is you're going to go out there and throw the split finger down and in. And that's why some guys get lit up. And people are like, oh, my God, Reed Demers gave up 12 runs. Okay, (laughs) but what you don't know is that Ron Washington said, hey, yo, Reed Detmers, you know, we looked at some of your tapes over the last week. You really were struggling at curveballs. I want you to throw nothing but curveballs. And they'll yeah. throw nothing but breaking pitches. And that's normal. That's the, th- the thing. That's what spring training is for. It's not always about looking sexy. It's not always about the stats. It's about working on what you need to work on. You know what? Right now I'm only swinging at fastballs up in the zone because I can't hit those. That's what you're working on this spring. Yeah, and that's the thing. You, you bring up a good point right there because as much you know, my dad's been a baseball fan forever since his team was in the PCL, and I, I just love the fact that he's forgotten more baseball than I know, and still to this day he still gets frustrated in spring training when he should know more than anybody. Like you just, just like you just said, there there could be a, a a game where Ron Washington says, "Hey, you know, uh, Ben Joyce, curveball." Lay off the fastball. Lay off your, you know, I don't want to see any. I want to see how good your curveball has movement. If it gets hit for five or six runs, it gets hit for five or six runs. Because we've seen that. We've seen it, you know, I've seen it many a times. Like, that's why nobody cares about wins and losses in preseason or spring training. And then when it gets to, I'd say, what, the last week or so, maybe two weeks of spring training, that's when you start to see guys fine-tune themselves. But they're, but they've mostly been throwing their bread and butter in the off season. They want to try out that new pitch. They want to try out that new movement. And so you'll see a lot of that in spring. And maybe guys get off to a good start because they're trying their new stuff, or they crap the bed because they're trying their new stuff. Exactly. But that's what spring is for. Yeah. Um, Griffin Canning was the first true starting pitcher we've seen. We did see Kenny Rosenberg start one of the split squad. And, you know, he's a guy that might be competing for some spot starts, but I still don't think that Kenny, especially with all the left-handers, is going to be cracking the starting rotation. I can break in real quick, though, to follow that up, Fernando. Uh 
Kenny Rosenberg, he's exactly what you just said. But if you know as well as I know, if we see him at any point this season, the Angels are you are going to be in trouble, right? Yeah, and you know I like Kenny, good dude, yeah, hardworking dude. We know that. But with how many lefties we we have, if we're in a situation where you know we're running Kenny Rosenberg out there every fifth day, um, bearing anything crazy happening, it's probably because of injuries. Yeah, right. But um, you know. Once again, man, this is one of those years where I have zero expectations going in. I just want to see the young guys perform. And, you know, Kenny's one of those guys. When he comes up here for a spot start, I want him to succeed. Um, Griffin Canning was our first true starter who's expected to make the rotation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Came in, got his first two innings of spring. Gave up four hits, so a little rough, but nothing was earned. He even got a strikeout. Um, What do you expect out of Griffin Canning this year? What are you hoping to see out of his entire 2024? Uh, well, obviously, I mean, with every angel player, because we are cursed, Indian barrel ground or not, um, I I want to see health. I want to see a consistent. I'm not on the 15 day IL. I want to see that from him. Number first and foremost, and two, I'm hoping that we have numbers from Griffin Canning like a 13 and nine record uh, and a 3.79 ERA. I'd be good with that. Double digit wins. A 379 ERA, close to 200 innings, maybe 165, 170. I'd be good with that. Yeah, this is a guy that I want to take the next step. You know, he's been around the league for a little while. He made his debut on April 30th, 2019 against the Blue Jays. I was there at that game. Looked really good that game. Unfortunately, since then, he's battled health issues. Mm Mm-hmm. This is a guy who's only had roughly 60 decisions of his 67. He has a 19 and 21 win-loss record. So he's pretty close to being a 500 pitcher. Problem with him has always been staying healthy. And when people are having issues staying healthy, they tend to have issues staying consistent, right? Because they come in there, they have to constantly remodel themselves because, you know, maybe you tweaked your arm the last, you know, this way last time. So now maybe you have to change your arm slot. So if you're consistently having to make adjustments, you're having to redefine yourself as a pitcher. So the best thing that can happen for Griffin Canning is for him to have one season where he has the ability to truly understand what kind of a pitcher he is in the major leagues. There's some guys like Blake Snell. Walks a ton of guys, but you know what? For whatever reason, they tend to get lucky and they seem to get out of those situations. Guys are Griffin Canning, do walk a lot of guys as well, but he gets in a lot of trouble. He does, he does. And let me ask you this, Fernando, mm-hmm. bringing up that I've got to put together a consistent season, sort of like a Joe Adele. You know, the resume is not much. Sandoval was like that up until last year when he got the World Baseball Classic behind him. He didn't have the best year last year, but he showed flashes of brilliance. If you are a pitching coach, Fernando, of the Angels, do you give a rousing speech at some point before opening day saying, this is your, you know, one of you guys in this rotation is going to step up and I need the rest of you, including the guy who's going to step up to take the bull by the horns and take that next step. Because now the spotlight is not on a certain somebody. It could be yours if you want it. Do you, do you, do you see them saying something like that? And the, and the pitchers responding, because this is a year maybe where we could see better numbers for once from this entire rotation. You know, this is a year where these 
the coaching staff has to tell these guys, okay, this is the first year in you know 15-ish years, 20 years, where there was no expectations from an Angels club. Mm-hmm. Say what you want. But since, you know, the early 2000s, since, since the Angels won the dance in 2002, the expectation has always been to contend. Yeah. You know, even after the last time we had legitimate playoff success, 2009, that was the last time the Angels had a legitimate chance of winning a World Series. You know, after that, the 2010 teams, 2011, 2012 especially, because they got Pujols, they got C.J. Wilson. Those teams were all expected to contend. They made the playoffs in 2014, were one of the best regular season teams in baseball that year, got bounced out of the playoffs. And even after that, 15, 16, 17, 18, et cetera, all those teams were expected to contend. This is the first year, probably for a lot of the people who are listening to this podcast, that the Angels are not expected to contend. They're expected to go out there and let the kids play. There's nothing wrong with that per se. But this is the year that those guys, the Sandovals, the Detmers, should want to be the pieces that this rotation needs for years to come. Because the Angels are in a situation where if these guys suck, trade them. Get whatever you can for them. But if these guys want to prove that they belong in this rotation or any other rotation, this is the time. They don't have the dark cloud of Otani anymore. They don't have to change every other week because Otani wants to pitch on Tuesday, not Thursday, because he's got Pilates Wednesday morning. Or he doesn't want to pitch a day game. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you know, and I, I think that's beautifully said. Uh, you know, I, I think Angel fans are going if, if nothing changes, this could be like an early early 2000s Pirates team. You know, or, or again, if you're a Pirates fan and you're listening to the show for some reason, you remember those days or even after they made their playoff run, they rebuilt the whole team again. You know, you just you like you said, you let the kids play you, and you have zero expectations. And with a division now, again, which is in years past, it's always been told to us, Fernando, that, oh, we're just a player or two missing. We're a pitcher or two missing. We're going to contend when we needed a lot more than just that. And, and, you know, injuries held us back too. And we were never really contending with the teams above us. Now we know, you know, flat out, we're not going to contend with the teams above us. It's going to take a miracle or another Disney movie for us to get into the postseason. But I think we're all fine with that if we see the process and if we see the maturation of these young players and these other players who have been here a couple years but just haven't took that next step. If they take the next step, I think we can all be winners out of this if we're seeing this team collectively come together. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I don't buy this whole, like, oh, well, this is a silent rebuild. What kind of Mickey Mouse organization crap is that? Silent rebuilds don't exist. Okay, you're in a rebuild or you're not. Yep. So I don't mind the Angels not making any major moves this offseason. Did they improve the bullpen? Sure. Has the bullpen been a very big thing missing? Sure. Yep. I've got no problem with that, and that's fine. I have no problem with the Angels not doing anything, but you can't call this a rebuild. You can't call this a silent rebuild because at the end of the day, like I've already told you, the Angels have, what, three core pieces, maybe four if you want to throw Moniac out there because some Mm -hmm. people do, some people don't. You know, that's not a hard rebuild. 
you know, if there's a hard rebuild, then you're going to have to really, really tear it down. You're going to have to get rid of your Detmers, your Sandovals, those kind of guys, your warts. But um, I, I am finally excited to not have any expectations and, and just watch baseball for once, right? Yeah. There's no, oh, we're losing. And that might make doing, doing this podcast a little bit more fun. Doing this podcast in August when the Angels have lost their 14th straight or whatever, you know, <laughs> that's not fun. But the Angels have lost four straight. You know, they've been competing. They've been losing three to two, two to four, that kind of thing. The young guys are performing. Maybe they're just, you know, shy of the big hit. I can live with that kind of stuff. As long as there's progress being made in these guys' ability. You know, is Neto still nails at shortstop? He's doing a good job defensively. You know, is Ohapi truly emerging as a young star in baseball? Great. These are the kind of things I'm looking for. Sandoval, Demers, are these young guys getting more consistent? You know, it's August. Canning's still healthy. Thank sweet baby Jesus. You know, all of that stuff is going to be pivotal into making Angels baseball bearable and, dare I say, enjoyable to watch this year. Absolutely. Like, say, for instance, for me, too, like if a sill set is pitching better than we thought he would, if, if Sandoval – Say, for instance, the Angels in eight games, right? They have an eight-game stretch where they lose three. It's Sandoval's turn. He takes the ball, stops the bleeding. The team loses three more. He gets the ball again and stops the bleeding. And all of a sudden, we can look at the last two starts of Sandoval and be like, hey, that dude's a stopper. You know, that's our stopper right there. He's he's turning into something. Little, little like, rays of sunshine like that or Adele having, like, a 15-game hitting streak, you know, and, and stuff like that. You can ignore the losses because, again, they're like you said, they're competing. They're playing hard every night. They're giving it their all. They may not have the best talent versus the team they're playing, but damn it, they're showing up. And I think that's what we've been not seeing since Sosha left. Let's just be honest. Of course. We we haven't seen it from Madden's side with his lackluster, hey, dude, let's smoke weed. And we never saw it from Numb Nuts Nevin either. So, you know, this would, this to me actually has me excited. But like you said, with no expectations, it's a weird feeling, right? It is. It is. And, you know, the last thing I'll say about the young guys, aces nowadays, you know, this isn't the days of the Yankees that we remember when we were kids. Mm -hmm. Aces nowadays are built. You really can't buy an ace these days. True. You know, you can in some cases, but most, yeah. Okay. Garrett Cole, (laughs) but what other team has bought an ace lately that's been successful? Look at the Mets. They tried buying Verlander coming off of Cy Young, coming off of you know his bounce back season. Didn't work out for them. Max Scherzer, they did the same thing. Didn't work out for them. Um, God, uh, I mean, the, the Padres uh, trade that with a couple guys. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out for them. You know, Marcus Stroman with the Cubs originally. You know, the point is, it's really hard nowadays to buy an ace and for them to work out. Most aces are built, developed, and they turn into that dude. Look at Jared Weaver in his prime. Came up as an angel, turned into that dude. They didn't buy him. They grew him. Yep. Same thing goes for a lot of stars in baseball. It's hard to get a star and you know, keep him a star. Look at the Marlins. They built Giancarlo Satan. The Yankees were like, hey, we want that guy like they used to do. Mm-hmm. Hasn't really been that great as a Yankee consistently in his career. No, nah, he's been a strikeout king. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say that Mookie Betts has fallen flat on his face, but he's certainly had moments as a Dodger where he hasn't been Mookie Betts. Look at the playoffs. That was a big one. I mean, the, the 2021 season, was it? I don't think that was incredible by him. I have to look at the numbers, but, you know. So everyone's excited that Shohei Otani's gone to the Dodgers. Will he be good? Will he not? I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> Obviously, we have to give Otani the benefit of the doubt because he has no reason. We have no, uh, so far no reason to not give him the benefit of the doubt. But the days of buying talent, it just doesn't exist anymore, folks. So hopefully some of these guys will learn that and, you know. You know, for a future show, rise up to play off what you're saying, when it comes to Otani, because we will be checking on her ex, what does what does 700 million, although deferred for the most part, but he's still yeah. he's still on paper a 700 million dollar for 10 years player, sure. 70 million a year. What does that actually equate to an offense? What if he only is ripping 26 home runs and 85 RBIs and batting 270? Is that worth 70 million to you? Uh, I mean, I don't know if it is as a fan, but I mean, you know, uh, of course, for the marketing side of things, it is right. You know, if you're looking at his business, for the record, I looked it up. I was right. Mookie Betts in 2021 batted 264. His on base was 367. Guy gets on base. Can't think that. Yeah, he does. He does. Um, and then in 2022, batted 269. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but it's all right. 2023, he batted 307. Good for Mookie. Don't look at his yeah. playoffs. His playoff numbers from that year. Yeah, well, just like every other he Dodger. He about as much hits as he did last year in the playoffs. Just like every other Dodger. He's a true Dodger last year where it all got, you know, glory in the in the regular season and nothing in the postseason. So Yeah, exactly. I mean, the guy was a 301 <laughs> career hitter with the Red Sox. As a Dodger, he's a 282 hitter. Mm-hmm. There's a difference there for sure. And you would think with that kind of lineup around him, the guy's numbers would inflate, but it's actually gone the opposite way. Like averages have gone way down at that. I don't know what, what kind of curse Dodger Stadium has, but guys don't go there. The really. curse of kicking out Latinos and making them homeless. <laughs> we'll see. I can say that. Freddie Freeman's the only. Yeah, I can't. But Freddie Freeman <laughs> is the only dude that I've seen that's actually put up really good offensive numbers and being able to carry it into Dodger Stadium. Usually most guys that come over to Dodger Stadium, for whatever reason, their numbers just fall flat on their face. Well, there's a couple of guys. You know, you got Justin Turner. Uh, you know, he was a nobody with the Mets. Made true, a pretty good true. career there. Max Muncie was nobody with the Athletics, which surprising, right? And then he went over to the Dodgers and figured it out. So you have a couple of exceptions. But uh, then you got guys like Chris Taylor, right? He was a Dodger. They re-signed him, and now he's booty cheeks. Yeah, then and, and hey, then, there's there's old episodes of you tune in where I was like, we need to get Chris Taylor. <laughs> well, I'm glad we didn't move that one. Yeah, uh, glad they don't listen to me that time. <laughs> so that being said, I think we covered most of the stuff which has gone on here on and the team side of things, first few games. I wanted to get to what you saw before you left back to the Lone Star State. You made a trip to the good old uh, team store at Anaheim Stadium. What exactly did you see, my friend? Yeah, so my girlfriend and I, last day we were in California. We went to the Big A on President's Day. And, uh, you know, typical your gift shop was open from 9 to 5. I tried going to Monday Night Raw that day because mm. I really wanted to go because it was in town. Good thing I didn't. The show was pretty boring. I watched part of it in the hotel. I was like, oh, it was a bad episode of Raw. Plus, you were like, the tickets were too expensive. I saw that. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to go. The cheapest ticket was like. At one point, was like two thirty. 
Yeah. Uh, I was looking on game time, seven, one, four tickets, you know, you name it, uh, trying mm-hmm. to find a deal and, uh, you know, never even came close to dipping under like one fifty. Anyway. Nice. Um, so we went to the gift shop and it's really weird. We walked in, we were immediately greeted. Hi guys. Welcome to angel stadium gift shop. Uh, so, uh, setting up the cash register face to the front door. They're like anything on this side, which was the left side, if you're looking at the cash register, of the gift shop. Everything on this side is 30% off. Everything on this side, regular price. What you see on the tag is, you know, what you what you want. Uh, if it has that orange dot on it, that means it's 30% off on this side, just in case things get mixed in. I was like, okay, great, thanks. So naturally, I walked over there and I was like, oh, you know, it's going to be Otani, 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 right? Naturally, that's what you're expecting. My friend, I did not see a single Shohei Otani item for 30% off. Let me make one thing clear. I mean this when I say it. Because I have not worn a single Shohei Otani item, and I will not wear it uh, until he retires. Once he retires, maybe I can wear it again because it will be a cool throwback item in like 40 years. Mm -hmm. But I I wouldn't have bought it if it was 90% off. But the Otani stuff was all full price. Wow. Everything, full price. City Connect Otani jerseys. T-shirts, hats. If you want something to show me on time, you are paying full price. And somebody on Twitter, because I tweeted about it, on the Halos of the Infield account, follow us if you don't already, um, tweeted us and said that they invented something in Angel Stadium called the MVP section. So everything in that section is all Angels MVP items. So it comes from a previous member of the Angels that was an MVP winner. And that's why they justify that it's full price. Okay, mm. but here's the here's the failure in that. I saw no Vladimir Guerrero stuff in that bin, and there sure is hell wasn't any Don Baylor stuff in there. I'll tell you that much. Um, so yeah, I saw some trout stuff, sure. And I saw some Otani stuff. The 30% off section was I would say 35% Mike Trout items, surprisingly. I did buy a couple of Mike Trout t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got a hoodie. I got like a like a zip-up jacket that was half off. And then uh, my girlfriend, uh, she bought me the zip-up. And then she bought me this long sleeve Angels shirt with the A on it, the lowercase A with the halo oh, on okay. it. Yeah. And that was cool. And uh, it was not my size, but if there's anyone who's a double XL, there was like four or five long sleeve baby blue angel safety pin long sleeve shirts. Not there bad. Like five or six of them. And they were like $27 for a long sleeve shirt. And uh, there's the only safety pin A stuff I've seen in a long time. Two questions. Sure. Okay. Because I know we've talked about this before. Okay. You know, we believe that there should be more angels gear up there from past players. Of course, I think it would have been much better to see, like you said, Don Baylor, Rod Carew. Well, you know, those won't happen, like you said, uh, Nolan Ryan, uh, Vladimir Guerrero. But you only so my question to you one question is with them removing Otani's face, obviously, from the front of the stadium, how do they have the nerve to still be selling his merchandise inside? How do they still have the nerve to be selling his merchandise full price? Correct. If you go in there and it's like 75% off, I get it, right? You, you gotta yeah. you gotta sell it. I get yard it. sale type stuff, right? Exactly. No, I, I don't I wouldn't be saying I probably wouldn't have even brought it up mm-hmm. because who cares? 
Correct. But like you said, the fact that they immediately, like within like an hour or two of this announcement, they started removing the Otani pork mm-hmm. in the front of the stadium. Mm-hmm. And then when you walk inside, I mean, you would still think he's on the team. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's I saw one person in that had an Otani City Connect jersey. Oh, man. Yeah, Here, and I, it, what was it? $180? Yeah, I mean, that's that's how much they are, right? Yeah, that's what they go for. Because usually yeah, what the cool. ones on Fanatics are about 110 and so yeah, they, it was like one eighty or something. Yeah. yeah, here here's something I want to bring up that because uh, oh, you reminded me of something um, to our friends up north in Oakland, and I okay. wanted to. I don't know if you saw this the other day, but over the weekend they had a fan fest put on by the fans who yep, invited yep, who, who invited uh, former players to come down, and they were signing autographs. They had bands. They had their own food. All fan brought together and organized. I don't think the angels can come together or, or have a, you know, like we still have too much propaganda prime minister, uh, AM eight thirty pushing positivity on this organization to where we don't have a common goal, you know, like an enemy, like they do up North. I think you still have your people that defend Artie. Um, I would have loved to, I, I, like you, I think you brought it up last time. The last fan fest you went to with angels. I can't remember the last one, dude. I still can't. And it's a shame that this team doesn't have one being a so-called big market. I I only bring that up because I just wish the fans would put something together too. And we can come together and do something and show that we really care about this organization. I know? don't think, I don't think we have as many people show up as they did in Oakland. Sorry. No, absolutely. Um, that, in all fairness, there's more to do in Orange County <laughs> than there okay. is in Oakland. I mean, what are you going to do in Oakland? You know, dodge bullets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and try exactly. to keep your car from being jacked. <laughs> I I don't exactly know why the organization doesn't do it. I mean, I, I think it's just more of a middle finger to the fans. I mean, you can yep. say, well, maybe Fan Fest just don't make a lot of money. I don't believe that either. You know, if people are having a good time, people spend money. That's that's how it works. That's true. When that's people true. are entertained, they're having a good time with their family. They'll pay whatever. You know, I'm sure you've probably been victim of that, right? You know, you go maybe to like a carnival or something, you know, you got you got the kids, you know, the grandkids, whatever, you know, hey, hey, you know, buy me this, buy me that. And you guys are all laughing, having a good time. You're not even thinking about it. You know, you, whatever. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Well, yeah, you, you go in, you go in as a father with a budget, like, yeah, we'll spend 45 today. And then it's like, oh, we spent 145. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's fun. That happens no matter what. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know why I try, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So people, if they're having a good time at things like FanFest, they'll spend the money. And people will come. I think if the team does something specifically, people would come. You know, people came to the Fiesta Angels events. Mm -hmm. I don't mind those as much. That's kind of been our FanFest over the last decade, really. 2012, I think, was the last formal FanFest they had. Or the Angels Cruise. Oh yeah, yeah. You and I have <laughs> laughed about that multiple times. Uh, and they've also done like the moving days. Those yeah. are always also kind of an unofficial fan fest. And I was okay with the Angels moving days when they were like, "Well, you guys don't get a fan fest, but you get Angels moving day." I was okay with that. You know, you had three players show up, sign some autographs. They had the Angels yard sale event for the Angels Foundation. You know, they sold the last last year's bobbleheads for ten dollars. I was I was on board with all that. Loved it. You know. 
you had the Angel Strike Force girls. Uh, you know, you had the freaking yeah. commit. You know, Chevy would come and try to sell cars or whatever. It felt like FanFest to me. Yeah, I mean, they could do something similar like that in the you know under the Big A. Maybe have some like you know a contest with you know playing cornhole. You know, um, like uh, kids like fastest on the base pads. You could do stuff that's interactive. Uh, you could have popcorn, the the whole carnival experience, like with food, and then, like you said, jerseys, giveaways, former players coming. Because look what happens when they do the red carpet. You know, on opening day, they've done it what two years in a row. I that gets last a year huge... was the first year, or was it the last year? Okay, well, I think I think they're doing it again this year, and that brings a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people showed up for that, and that's just a red carpet. You incorporate the stuff you were talking about, what I'm talking about. You can make it an all-day event, and again, if you're raising it for charity or you're doing it for the team or just publicity, it works, and it feel it makes the the Angel fans feel like we're one, you know. Uh, but uh, we've talked to you know a few fans that have been pissed off about how they treat season ticket holders and. It's just there's too much of that stuff. And like I said before, I wish there was more unity within the Angels organization of fans to be like, hey, man, we need we have a common goal here. We want this team to win, and we also want Artie out. And uh, I, I think that would bring people together. But uh, the, the propaganda prime minister, Roger Lodge, is uh, working overtime to keep us separate. Well, hopefully his contract's going to run out. No. Did you hear the news? Oh, no, no, no. One more yeah. year? No. <laughs> he signed a three-year deal. Oh. And so, so check this out. I, I brought Three this up. Three more years. Three I brought more this, years. <laughs> I brought this up with the other. So a WNBA player, the, the lowest salary or the base salary, I think, is 67000 a year, right? Okay. And that's that's for like 26 games, and that's not including playoffs. So Roger Lodge does a three-hour dog and pony show, mostly filler, all this other stuff. His yeah. first year. Oh, his- all right, go to Morongo and uh, <laughs> and go to Morongo and here's the five facts about Morongo. If you go there, they'll they'll blow water in your asshole if you're a VIP member and go there and get some dollar tacos. Now I know we did the top five at five stories, but we're gonna do the top five at six now. We're gonna repeat that whole <laughs> thirty minute segment again. <laughs> so top five at three, the top five at four. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Basically, he his the first year of his contract, he's gonna be making one hundred and seven thousand dollars, and then the second year bumps up to one hundred and eighteen, and then the third year it's one hundred and thirty-five. He said all that on the air. That was all released in the public release. Uh, that was it. They have to post it. So Jeez. the press release, yeah. So he gets a three-year deal. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Must be good to be Roger. Yeah, Roger. Roger Lodge is living off of AM830 and also blind date residuals. Yeah, blind date residuals, <laughs> AM830. No wick for him. Not at all. He's living the good no. life, man. Yeah, right. He's going to get the fancy toupee this year. None of that comb over, spray paint the bald spot in the back of the head. He's getting the oh, no, he toupee this time. He doesn't need to spray paint. He's getting the spray tan. That's what he's getting. Oh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, Tom, this is not a toupee. This is not a <laughs> It's the golden lunch. With... Oh, the golden lunch. 
I what do I use to comb my hair and a product in my jail? Let's just say it's from John Stamos. No. It's all natural. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that mayonnaise. Oh, that's nasty. That is nasty. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. I think that'll do it for our show as we get into John Stamos and Roger Lodge. Oh, I, I guess in closing, uh, for anybody who's wondering, spying on our exes, quick segment, Ty Buttry for Seattle. Uh, one inning pitched. He uh, struck out two batters on the fastballs. That's right. I know you wanted to bring that up. I almost forgot. Um, yeah. What we're going to bring up every time he pitches. I was just, you know. Yeah, yeah. What what did he do in his uh, what is it called the uh, simulated game? Because I know you were showing us highlights of that. Oh yeah, yeah. He had te- he was uh, texting me some uh, videos of a simulated game, and I texted it over to you. And uh, you know that knuckle curve looked just like it did in twenty nineteen. Looked like he's starting to get it down again. But um, yeah, I know a lot of our audience. Uh, you know, people like him. Whenever it comes on the show, the comments. You know, you see people are like, "Oh, Todd's the man," or "Ties the man," blah 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 blah. So, you know, people like him. So. Figure out and let you guys know in case you guys missed it. He's pitching again on Friday. And you know what? I will tell you this. I don't believe in collusion. There shouldn't be that in any kind of sport. But uh, we need some collusion when he faces us. Because if he makes that team, text your boy and tell him to please be a little easier on our younger hitters, please. Maybe he can just pretend like he's like hurt that day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That'll work. Oh, That'll you got work. a hangnail. He's, he, yeah, yeah. He's 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 got, you got a food. blister. Yeah. You had a blister. Otani's told me that you can't pitch for at least four weeks. <laughs> Remember right. his rookie year when he kept getting shelled like the Red Sox? I'm like, oh, he's got a blister. He's got a blister. Yep, yep. He did have a blister. I remember. It was a very gnarly-looking blister. I'll say that. Yeah, it looked like he had a flesh-eating bacteria. But uh, I, I will say this about Otani, though. Good luck. I I'm really want – you know, we won't see it this season. But next season, I want to see if he'll pitch in Atlanta and New York when it's really humid in Philly. Uh, you know, I want to see if he's going to make those starts in those day games in Wrigley. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I got to see that. And then with a unbalanced schedule, he'll be playing those American league teams still. So will he face Boston in Boston or will he skip those starts? That's what I want to see, you know? Well, we'll see also because, uh, you know, obviously the major league considers Shohei Otani one of their toys, right? I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, like, hey, that's one of the golden boys. Yep. You know, the NBA has their toys. The NFL has their toys. And, you know, those are their guys. So Shohei Otani is a golden boy in the sport, rightfully so. He deserves it. He's the most talented baseball player any of us have ever seen. We can't argue mm-hmm. that. Um, so with that being said, the MLB is going to want him to make those key starts, you know, when it's Shohei Otani versus Garrett Cole, you know, on a Sunday night in August, right? Like, hey, that's Sunday night baseball because that's good for ratings. Um, maybe in the past, the Angels used to try to save him from those kind of games. And you can't say it's not true because they would. That's we did see it. Obviously, not every time. You know, I'm not going to say, yeah, he did face the Yankees. He did face the Red Sox. But a lot of the times, they would – protect him from those and put him against the athletics. We've, we've seen that too. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause uh, he, he, when he did face the Yankees, I think two times, I don't think he, he made it either game out of New York stadium past the first inning, second inning, maybe. So one of those games was the one where uh, Jared Walsh get, uh, got that grand slam, like right uh, after the, the comeback, yeah. against yeah. Chapman. Mm-hmm. He'd started that game and he like did really bad. 
yeah, he didn't make it out of the first inning, and the Angels are down big time, and then they wound up rallying. So yeah, I remember John Boy Media was at that. And by the way, John Boy, for listening, fuck you. <laughs> I hope he's listening. That'd be great. Yeah, I know he's not, but your content's trash. Always has been. <laughs> Please tag us so someone make a clip of that and send it to him. That'd be great. I might that as well way you can avoid that too. We're, we're we're teammates, so fuck you, John Boy. <laughs> never liked him. I, I never liked. Him. I just I never thought his stuff was that funny. And now that they have that, uh, what is it, Wake and Jake or whatever? Well, I don't know. They probably yeah. changed the name of it by now. Ugh. Yeah, not a fan either. Well, with that being said, this has been Todd <laughs> Fox along with the Lone Star Halo saying, "Fuck you, John Boy." We'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>